Today's podcast is sponsored by Virginia Commonwealth Roasters. Damn good coffee for damn fine people. Listen, guys, that's my roastery. That's my spiel. Check it out. I do everything I can to create craft coffee in small batches that people love. So check us out online at vcr.coffee. And if you use promo code Urban Roaster, you'll save 10% on your first order. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much for the support. Again, it's www.vcr.coffee. Welcome to another edition of the Urban Roaster. On today's podcast, we talk to a good friend of mine who runs the Ironworks podcast, as well as The Forge, which is more than just a gym. It's a community of like-minded individuals building healthy bodies as well as minds. He's a veteran, as well as a huge proponent of mental health in the fight against PTSD and suicide, especially in service members. I want to introduce you to my good friend, Mr. Josh Foster. Yeah, we're live. Hey. What's finally. up, Josh? Took us a little bit to get here, but we're finally here. How you doing? Hey, I mean, this year, <laughs> we're finally here. This year is friggin' over. Yep, last day. It's uh, <laughs> It's been the longest 84 years of my one year. Oh, my <laughs> <life>. God. <laughs> I, I don't even know where to start on this year. I, you know, our family, by the time we get done, we'll have had over 10 surgeries yeah that's in our insane. house that's I, I just can't couldn't fathom that and i mean i mean we got a lot of kids so even if we had like two per kid we, we'd be right there with you but yeah, yeah not even well and my i mean my parents have gone through hell yeah um then you figure my son was diagnosed severe autism severe adhd a bunch of other stuff and um yeah it's been a year. It has been a... In the last couple of months, it's like you think it's over and then something else gets thrown. So for that, I want to welcome you to the podcast, finally. We've only been trying to do this for a couple of months now. Yep. Like and, you said, uh, every time we try to get together, something just snowballs in and... Something snowballs yep. in and screws it up again. Yep. So, yeah. I think we're going to need to crack this Nika today. Sounds perfect. So we got a little uh, little Japanese whiskey for us. And this was one of my Christmas presents from my wife. I have had it, but it's been probably 10, 12 years. Nice. Um, so I think it's time I had it again. I've had Japanese whiskey. I have not had this. You have so. not had this. Yeah. Well, now's your chance. So... Probably the dumbest thing I could do is, is pour it uh, right over the computer. Right over the computer. Hey, you know, you know, maybe the computer's thirsty too. <laughs> it is what it is, man. You, you, I, after this year, if the computer wants it, it can have it. Hey, I say you're testing out the New Year vibes, right? Pouring yeah. the whiskey right over the computer, saying, <laughs> "Hey, is it 2021 or is it still 2020?" Oh, cheers! Cheers. So, oh God, that's good. Yeah, it's really good. A little, little cinnamon. 
Yeah, that is smooth, smooth, smooth. So this is Nika Coffee Grain Whiskey. Not much writing on the bottle. <laughs> and maybe that's why I, I, I assumed because it was so dark it was going to have a little more bite, but maybe it's dark because it's the coffee grain. Well, the coffee grain is the type of still that it's in. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't actually have coffee in it. Really? Um, but yeah, very, very smooth. The coffee still produces a complex whiskey with a mellow and sweet taste originating from the grain itself. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. Very good whiskey. Awesome. So we've been talking about doing this for a while. Part of the reason we've been talking about doing this for a while is right around the same time I started this podcast, you were starting yours. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess August time frame uh, is when we really kicked off our, our podcast. Um, and yeah, we, we've got, I think, 12, 12 uh, episodes under our belt now. Um, we've had a little bit of slowdown toward the end of the year. Uh, you know, my, uh, co-host, he, uh, just had a baby. So congrats oh, nice. to him and, and his family. Congrats. Um, yeah. So, so we've had a little lull letting them get situated and, and, and back into the swing of things. And then we're going to, we're going to ramp ours back up here soon too. Nice. Yeah. We, uh, we did really well for the first seven episodes or so, and then, Got hit like a freight train from all the crap that is 2020. Um, Our family's been one of those that you can take the normal woes that people have been bitching and moaning about and throw it out the window. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, you know, my my wife and I, I think, are going to, on on my other podcast, the More Than Clark podcast... I think we're going to go into a little bit of that and just talking about what's transpired over this year for us. But um, anyway, long story short, towards the end of October, it went completely dead there for a while. And um, I'm glad to be resurrecting it. You're the first guest back, and I think I've got five others already scheduled. Awesome. So we're, we're getting back into it quick. Well, I'm glad to be the first guest back. Uh, you know, I really enjoy your podcast and, and uh, what you guys are doing. So it's it's fun. Um, a lot of good content, a lot of good guests. So uh, it's great to be on here. Well, I appreciate that. So so what caused you to start yours? Let's let's talk about yours a little bit. Come on, man. You're we're All right. here for you. So uh, we'll, we'll get into the what, long, long what, story of it. What is your podcast about, first of all? So, let's just... so my podcast... Um, really stems from uh, helping uh, veterans and, and other service-type community people um, with PTSD and anxiety and depression and stuff like that, and, and you know, with pain management and, and trying to do this in all kind of non-typical ways. Um, because, you know, both of us were, were uh, in the military, um, and uh, both of us had went to combat multiple times. And, you know, you hear often about the 22 a day and, and veteran suicide and, and you got to do something. And, you know, we were the same with everybody else. We did the, the push-ups and we did all that stuff. And, yeah. and then we started to feel is when 
is raising awareness done in doing something needs to be done. You know, you can raise awareness all day long, all day long. And you can say, Hey, do this. Veterans are committing suicide. You know, we're hurting. We've got a community out here of guys who, who have PTSD and, and gals who have PTSD. And it's not only us, it's not only, you know, veterans of the military, we've got police, firefighters and, and, you know, all and of the these other in, in all of their families. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's how, Put putting it into words for people to hear is how we dealt with it, and then how other people have dealt with. So anecdotal stuff of of you know how how did we get from point A to point B? How are we functioning? How are we doing okay? So as as opposed to taking the perspective of you know hey let's just do push ups let's bring awareness let's let's actually do something let's bring on guests who are going to tell us you know what they went through one their story. Um, which is big, and then two, how they dealt with the the PTSD or the physical ailments, whichever you know they're on about. But it, it's a way for us to get into contact and put the information out there, and and again, not just raise awareness, but help people actually find ways to deal with these issues, and and to hopefully help them find an outlet to get better. Um, Absolutely, and and that's that's kind of why we started it. Is, you know, again, and, and to, to delve back into my history is as I also had issues with PTSD um, and stuff uh, when I got out of the military. And I was one of those people, I was, I was always pretty good at hiding it um, yeah. for the most part because a lot of us do that. But, you know, when I, when I was in, um, I realized early on that, that you know, when I come back from, from combat that, you know, every, everything wasn't right. But the problem is, is that when we came back, there was, um, you know, the way society depicted people who had PTSD. Yeah. You, you're going to turn and you're going to rage on people and you're going to do you know, all this bad you're gonna stuff. You're going to hear a firecracker and all of a sudden shoot seven people. Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, with, with the way that, that it was perceived in society and even in the military, you know, if you came back and you said you had PTSD, you know, unlike if I came back and I, I was wounded because I, I was and they fix you. You know, but if you come back and you say you have PTSD, back then they didn't fix you. They did as much as they could to quickly and expeditiously get you out of the military. Yeah. Because, you know, you can fix a broken bone, they thought you couldn't fix a broken mind. Um, so you, you were you were basically in the way, um, which ultimately we found out that's incorrect. You can't fix a broken mind. And, and a lot of the guys, a lot of those soldiers who – You'll come back with PTSD. They're some of the best soldiers mo- moving forward. They've they've already been in the combat in the situations they've dealt with it. Often they stayed there and dealt with it through a trying time. Um, so, but we we were afraid to say anything when we came back. A lot of us were because we saw how our peers were being treated. Yeah, you know, they came back and they said, oh, "I've got PTSD," and it was like basically, "Hey, get out!" You know, um, get out. We'll throw you on some antidepressants and. Right. Don't bother us. And, and and then on top of that, they were basically treated like they were shitbirds. You know, they, they did just did a year in combat and they come back and they're treated like, you know, a less than soldier because they say they, they're, you know, they have PTSD, which, you know, ultimately is, is the wrong thing for, for leadership at that point in time. But again, the military's done a great job in rectifying that since then. Um, but with with all the stuff from society, with all the stuff from the military, a lot of us weren't getting seen, and we were doing the wrong things. You know, we were coming home and and we weren't coping the way we were supposed to be coping, and we were just going out and drinking a ton of alcohol. We were getting into fights. We were doing all of the stuff that a 
psychiatrist or psychologist would tell you 100% this is not what you need to do. This is the opposite of what you need to do. Um, well, but for the last 100 years, if you're a man, you don't listen to the psychiatrist or psychologist. You get over your shit and quit bitching. Yeah. And, and that's the sad state of affairs, yeah. whether you're in the military or not. Yeah. It's always been the, the men shut up and, and get through. Yeah, and, and that's part of what we wanted to do and part of what we often say is we want to normalize the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, you know, because absolutely. like you said, is is as a man you you know, you shut up and, and do your work. Um but ultimately that's that's failed us for yeah. centuries. And, and and you know, it is it's seen uh, you know, you especially saw it post Vietnam, how much that failed us as a society. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of these men who, who did phenomenal things they were cast aside not just by the military but by society as a whole you know um and a lot of these guys are still homeless a lot of these guys you know were still fighting suicide and stuff like that years decades later yeah because of that exact mentality that that you know you you're supposed to be okay you're a man just just suck it up and, and drive on and and you can't suck it up and drive on um especially when you've seen some of these things and you know you go through these things and you don't know how to deal with it and how to cope with it um and and there's there's multiple levels to it you know some people have slight ptsd some people have very severe ptsd so you know getting to to understand and know yourself and then getting to a point where you're comfortable talking to other people about it is is was kind of our goal is to to get it to where you know you recognize you have PTSD and then you recognize that you know you you need help um and and there are other ways of doing it other than one drinking yourself stupid and two you don't always have to um go to a doctor there there are peer groups there are churches there are a lot of other ways out there if you don't want to go that route and you know um I'm very anti-medicine uh, for a lot of these type of things. So, um, you know, I didn't want to get on antipsychotics or anything like that. I've seen what they do to people, yep. um, which, you know, they do help, but they also change people. And uh, sometimes it seems like there's, their senses are dulled, um, you know, different things like that. So I just kind of wanted to stay away from them. Um, so, you know, there, there's a difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist and who prescribes drugs and who doesn't and stuff like that. So, you know, I just made sure when I went, I I specifically said, Hey, I don't want prescribed drugs. I want a solution to my problem, but I don't want that solution to be through a bottle. Um, you know, so, so there are ways you can get help without getting into that stuff. If, if you don't want to take medicine and if you don't want, and, and the same, you know, for me, uh, when I, when I was dealing with it. Even outside of the military, I had a security clearance. Back in the day, if you had a security clearance, you couldn't have any mental issues on no. your, and you couldn't say you did. Well, now they're a little, you know, if, if it's PTSD or combat related, you can put on there, and you know, as long as you've got treatment and all that stuff, you're good to go. Well, back then you couldn't. So, you know, if I went to a VA doctor, went to somebody through the military, that it got could, written on your record, yeah. and then you're you're up shit creek. So that's. I mean, that's kind of how we, we, we started looking at it is, okay, not everybody's going to want to go to the VA. Not everybody's going to want to go to the military doctors. So let's find these other avenues, which, again, you know, churches, um, local groups, peer-to-peer has been really good um, for us. 
And for a lot of the other organizations we've talked to, like firefighters and police officers, they have great peer-to-peer groups set up. Yeah. So, you know, you're you're talking to a fellow firefighter, a fellow police officer, a fellow, you know, military person. Someone that's dealt with what you've dealt who's with. Who's dealt with what you dealt with. Yeah. And it's not a doctor. Um, so y- you have that more connection uh, level basis, and, and you're able to deal with it on a different wavelength than you would be with a doctor. Um, so, so there's a lot of good things out there and good groups. And that's what we're trying to introduce folks to again, you know, hate, love the fact that people want to raise awareness, love the fact that people did for so long, but now it's time to take, take awareness to the next level and actually do something about it. Well, and I, I see that going through culture a lot right now where people want to raise awareness for something, yeah, but they don't actually want to deal with the problem, right? Or they want to deal with the problem. By acting like it never existed. Yeah. And, I, you know, our our culture right now is scrambled eggs. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah. And there's, there's this odd, like, people are looking for something to bitch about. And it it's disconcerting. That's part of the reason that I started this podcast was... Um, from the other perspective, I wasn't a service member. Um, I spent years in music production and, you know, that lifestyle, which there's some interesting correlations from what I've experienced from talking to you and other people, you know, there's, there's some similarities on the road life and just being away from your family and you deal with a stressor and then you're out of that element. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's a whole nother bucket of worms that you're dealing with and yeah. then another bucket of worms. And so it's this interesting perspective, especially from military personnel that have actually served multiple tours and done a lot of uh, what I notice is a lot of the special forces guys and those guys that would go in, not necessarily for a full on deployment, but for a mission. Yeah. You know, you go in and you're dealing with this high stress, high intensity situation. And then just as fast as you went into it, you're out of it. Right. And then you're dealing with, quote unquote, day to day life. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be one of the most unhealthy states of mind that someone can be in. Yeah. And, and I mean, that that's one of the big things like you, you were talking about is is you go into something and then you come out and, and you're back home, you know, and, yeah. and, and that's one of the big things is they tell you they're like, oh, hey, don't beat your wife. Don't do, you know, all the stuff that they check the box, you know, yeah. and, and you're going home and you're not you're not thinking I'm going to go home and beat my wife tonight. It's just that. You know, while you're away and she's there, you guys are doing two different things. The, the The house isn't ran the same way when you're gone as it's ran when you're there. You know, so, yeah. you know, you do things you're used to when you're home, you're doing it this way, this way, this way. When you're gone, they, she's got to do all the work. Yeah. So, you know, it, as, as you're out there and you're you're really stressing, you know, obviously it's it's not an easy job you're doing. But it's also not easy on her. She's she's got all of her, you know, like my wife. She works, and we've got the kids, and and she's doing all of this on her own the whole time when I'm gone. So, you know, but I'm sure you had a little bit of tunnel vision because you have to 
because yeah. your focus needs to be in that mission, in that moment. 100% of 100% of the time. But then when I come back, you know, you kind of expect it to be like it was before you left. But everybody needs that time to get back into the wheels of motion. And yeah. so, you know, she's like, hey, I'm used to having the kids in bed at this time doing this, this, and this. And it's like, oh, well, we just stayed up. And she's like, no, they need to be, you know, th- this is how yeah. it is. She's like, I know when you're here, it's easier. But, you know, so you deal with those kind of things. And, and those are things that are extra level stressors that, again, nobody talks about that kind of stuff and, and how you go from, yeah, one night you're over, you know, doing something crazy. And then the next day you're back home and, and yeah. you're supposed to be dad and, 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 you know, living the normal life. And, and there's not a lot of the decompression time and, and the time to actually work those things out. It's, it's right back into it. How, how, many, how many service members have we as a country gone through over the last, I mean, since 2001, it's just been one thing after another. And we, I mean, <laughs> you're the same age I am. Yeah. So we remember the uh, the old movie Team America. Yeah, <laughs> and there for a while we were the world's police. Yep. I think we finally started to scale back from that a little bit, but not really. We um how how many people how how many of us Americans were in that range over these last twenty years? There, it, see, and here, here's where it gets a little odd because yeah, we're we're not only talking about because Vietnam you know, was twenty years, right? But is is what we you're talking about back then was primarily military members, yeah, soldiers, exactly. That's not the case now. No. So the case now is you have your military members, you have your contractors, you have DOD civilians, you have. State Department, you have all these other players and all these other people doing things. Um, you also have members of NATO and, you know, all, all of these other partners. And then to add to that, you have like your your charity type nonprofit organizations and stuff like that who are sending people over. So, um, you know, through through the scope of things, you have way more people over there than what we would even calculate, you know, as far as the United States, because when we do these calculations, we typically calculate Department of Defense. Yeah. You know, so they're they're not adding. They're not adding all the ancillary all the, yeah. services, so to speak, that are over there. Correct. In the same mess, in the same situations. Yeah. And going through the same life stressors. And then you've got all the families. You've got all of the parents. You've got all the kids that were born while their dad was deployed. Yeah. And the first 10 years of life, dad was there for a month here and a month there. Well, and, and, and we typically think of it as Iraq and Afghanistan, right? It, that's where... It, well, yeah. That's... There, there are many more places <laughs> that people are, you know? Yeah. Um, even, even for you know, years, we've had people in South Korea, you know, and that's a place you don't still. take your family. They're still there. Yeah. Um, so we've got those guys. We've got we've got people deployed all over the world in in these small countries doing you know things helping out, um, especially like State Department type stuff, and they're going through the same type of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, and and they're living 
very you know you go to some of these countries in africa and you're you're living a hard life even if you're not you know getting shot at every day you're you're still dealing with a lot of stressors you're you're definitely not having you know youtube on your couch and in in hot water in in your house you know some of those things is is uh that we see as you know something that everybody has yeah it's something nobody has in these other places well and i was i was talking to someone actually here just a a little while ago at the lounge that does recruiting for uh marine corps personnel and he said, you know, a lot of the military recruiting now is not based off of what we would think as traditional military jobs. It's because they want to go over to Africa and help develop wells, develop yeah. water systems, yeah. develop these. What we think of here as everyone has it. Why would you even question it over there? Clean water is still a day to day issue. Yeah. And. We're sending people over there to try to help develop those things. And so you're going into an unknown environment where you don't know whether you're going to be taken kindly or unkindly to. And then you're going to try to help somebody that you don't know whether they want your help. Right. They may need your help, but too many times when you need somebody's help, you don't want their help. Right. Well, and, and, you know, a lot of it is expectations, too. You know, like when we were in some of the places in Afghanistan, you know, they were like, yeah, come in, you know, do this, do that. But they wanted you in and out. They didn't yeah. want you to come in and then stay there for six months. Yeah. They, they thought you were going to be here for like two or three days. And when you're there six months, they're like, hey, man, I, I thought you were going to, you know, help us with this, this generator and then kick rocks and yeah. we didn't expect you to stay here we for didn't the next expect year you to try to develop a democracy yeah while you were here helping us with the generator right <laughs> right so you know and, and and it's you know like you said it it's it's what we expect what they expect bringing it all together and 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 you have these really high stress situations and again especially with these younger generations you're taking them over and you're taking everything that they're used to in their lives like us growing up we didn't have all this stuff even we didn't have stuff and we didn't have all this you know so so for us it it wasn't even as big of a deal but you're taking these kids over who've grown up with video games everything yeah we didn't have you know they 24 hours a day electricity no works and you're putting them in a place that has none of that internet was beginning to become normalized when i was in high school yeah you know yeah. <laughs> and it's and everyone has it now on their phone wherever they happen in, to be in your pocket and yeah. we remember when phones were for making phone calls and that was it and yeah. they were attached to a cord that was attached to the wall yeah and, and it, your mom would beat you if you were on the phone for too long with that cord with that cord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were lucky if you had the long enough cord so you could walk around the corner. Yep, yep. Um, it, it's just, it's a totally different culture, and I don't think we realize how lucky we have it now. And yeah. And we're reaching a point in our culture in America where the kids growing up don't understand even these minute things are not, guaranteed yeah yeah and, and i think that's that's where you know some of that stuff you were talking about the stressors and everybody finding something to bitch about I, I i think it all stems from that is is we live in almost a kind of utopian society 
if if you leave the United States and you go anywhere else, nowhere has everything that we have. Yeah, you know, and and that's not a knock on. They other might countries. have parts. They, they have. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of countries out there with a lot of stuff. Um, but when you leave the U.S. and you're like used to having this, this, and this, and you go somewhere else and you you're missing a couple things, but is is what it is is we live in such a utopia here is when somebody doesn't have it like everybody's like oh that should be a right or that should be this like driving a car everybody's now driving a car should be a right you know everybody should have one you know we need them to get to work and it's like well that's not how this works just because we're used to having cars doesn't mean that everybody should have a car yeah you know um so in the same thing with go back to the whole college thing hey i i know i took a loan out on college but somebody should pay my college should pay for it me. back yeah you know and it's like i'll I, be the first to say if something like that comes about you better believe i'm going to take advantage of it but but yeah it's not a right it's a loan that i took out that i'm responsible to pay back right and, and you know but but some people don't see it that same way as you do some people are like hey all these other countries do free college so i should be paid back for this loan yeah and it's like yeah but you know I bought my house on a loan and there are other places where you get, you know, subsidized housing. So maybe you should pay my loan back for my house. And, and that's where we get when into in the semantics other countries, of the, You may not own your house. Yeah. You may not have the chance to even buy property. Correct. But, and I think that's in our society where we get this back and forth and we're so fractured, you know, one, one extreme to the other is, is because we do have it so good here. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it's it's dividing that pie and, and everybody's like kind of wants an equal piece, but they don't want an equal piece at the same time. As you know? long as it's, it's a little bit bigger than everybody else. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, I've seen that over the last, especially this year, I see so many people thinking that these things that they have should be rights. And then you talk to people from other countries. I was talking to someone from Canada the other day about healthcare because I hear so many of the younger generation that want to model our healthcare after Canada because they say Canada's got great healthcare. Everyone has it. It's paid for by the government. Nothing's paid for by the government. Correct. It's all paid for by the people. It may be distributed by the government. But this this gentleman that I was talking to was talking about how in Canada, yeah, they've got socialized medicine, which means if you have an elected surgery, elective surgery, which an appendectomy could be elective. I mean, having a stent put in your heart could be considered an elective surgery. Right. You could be on a waiting list for six months to a year to have very, very major things taken care of right where you may live to see that stint you may not but that's what you get you you get what you know right and i mean we were talking about all the surgeries and that kind of stuff and i fear i mean my my mom had um cataracts and the doctor said listen you've got cataracts you're gonna need surgery you probably have a year to two years. That was in April. Yeah. By mid-May, she was blind. And from May to September, and it took till September to get her in the surgery. But, 
you know, if she had been on a waiting list, it could have been next September. Well, and, and again, you know, because of your mother's age and all the other extenuating circumstances, it could have even been longer because she yeah. could be pushed to the further back in further the list. Further back in the because list. Because does somebody her age need to have this surgery need to be able to are see. they is she a productive member of society yeah. so you know where where do we where do which we fall? at the time she wasn't because she was bedridden yeah. from other health issues right now now those things are starting to we're finally starting to see some progress and it's it's been a hard year because of that kind of stuff but be, i just look at that kind of stuff and i go man if we had socialized medicine as much as it would have been nice to not have the bill, yeah. What what else would have gone wrong? Where else, where might we be? Right, and that scares the crap out of me. So, I I I just look at the cultural norms right now, and I started this so that we could start discussions because the first step to actually dealing with a problem is recognizing that there is a problem. Yeah. You may not know the solution. You may not know how to work through it. But if you open up the lines of communication where you can say, hey, this is a problem. Yeah. At least you can start having that dialogue. Right. And again, that, that goes back to kind of like what I was saying is is normalizing the conversation. Exactly. To in, in open it up. You know, again, it, it, be in a society where where we can talk to each other, because that's one thing I think we've lost in general too as a society is the ability to talk to people and have a difference of opinion and yeah. not hate that person because they have a difference of opinion from you, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and again, that, that could be tied to the whole social media thing and, and people aren't in the same room and they're not having discussions like, like, you know, we do. And that's why I always say, you know, when I talk to people, it's like, how, why cigar lounges and places like that are so great. That's what I was just thinking about. Is is that, you know, you go in there and you have conversations with people of various div- differing backgrounds, and you may not have an agreement with that person, but at the end of the day, you're still going to talk to him. You're still going to be friends yeah. with him. You're not going to be like, I'm going to go delete this dude because he didn't like what I said exactly 100%. It's like, okay, whatever. He didn't like it. Tomorrow we'll talk about the football game and everything's going to be fine. Yeah. You, know? you don't have to like everything everybody says. Um, and there's plenty of times at, at our lounge. Yeah. Hogshead, I mean, Gunny. I have seen him just straight up get pissed off at people. And I laugh when it happens most yeah. of the time. But, you know, he can disagree with somebody. They can have just an outright argument and then light up their next cigar and be talking about the weather. Yeah. And they understand that communication helps bridge that gap. And it helps us refine our ideas and our ideals for what we want in society. Yeah, absolutely. And and being in the room with people and having an actual conversation and, and, and... you know, being able to see there, there's more to it than just, you know, a computer screen or, or whatever, you know, your means of communication is, is having, having an actual conversation with somebody, not 
trying to push your beliefs onto somebody, but actually having a conversation and being willing to do the give and take. Yeah. You know, hey, I've got this to say. You say it. Okay, other person talks back. You listen. And you may find that you change part of what you think or they change part of what they think. You know, that that's what communication is about is, is you know, not always changing someone's opinion, but coming to a central ground, a, a point where we can all say, okay, this may not be my optimal solution. This may not be your optimal solution, but hey, here's a solution we can both agree on. Yeah. You know, so, um, and I, I think we've, we've really lost that as a society and, and you know, we see that fracture of, of people being so far one way or so far the other way that, that they just hate each other because of, you know, who they vote for or, or whatever. And it's like, that's not how we're supposed to be. No. Well, and the election's over. And we we could go into that for days. Yeah. Um, I know you and I agree on a lot of that stuff because we've had those discussions. Um, but at the end of the day, the nice part for us has been that it's the election's over and guess what whether i agreed with who is voted in and who's potentially going to be inaugurated here come january or not it's now our time to step up and say you know what i honor the office of the president yep and i honor the position of the president yeah whether i like the guy or not means nothing right now yep um will we do we still need to fight for our beliefs and our agendas absolutely yeah. but it's but it we need to guard ourselves from allowing society to fracture more Correct. because we're at such a we're at such a fine point now i mean i i fear where this country could go if we don't guard against that. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. And, and, and again, that's part of, you know, having conversations and talking to people and, and getting out. And I, and again, this year being what it was, it, it's very hard to do that. Um, but that, that's definitely something we need to do. And, and again, you know, is, is having that, you know, like you said, is, is I honor the, the office of the president, you know, whether the person I voted for is in or not, I still honor the position and in in the the you know the authority that comes with it as as I do with everything. You know, I I may not agree with the police officer who pulls me over and gives me a ticket, but you know what? I'm going to do everything they tell me to. I'm going to get my ticket and I'm going to go on. And if I yeah. feel I need to fight it, I'll fight it in court. But I still honor and respect that police officer. They're doing their job. You know, they're not trying to intentionally harm me or bring harm to me. They're trying to get home to their family just the same way I am. Yeah. Um, you know, so if if we all make it a, a situation where, you know, it's just that, you know, they pull me over. Yep, Roger, I was speeding, ticket, whatever, on about my business. You know, and, and, and we don't antagonize the situation and we just honor and respect their position, you know, things go smoother in society it's going to be the same way you know when the new president comes in it's the same way um with with all of our, our society there it's built around you know respecting the position and respecting authority whether you respect the person or not um when well, i think we need to give the individuals their own opportunity to fail yeah because there there are bad apples everywhere oh 100 i mean the police that's been a hotbed topic all year and are there some 
bad cops. Absolutely. Does a lot of the police training need reform? Absolutely. But to throw the baby out with the dishwater is stupid. Yeah. I mean, you've you've got to look at it for what it is, and you've got to take the approach that there might be a bad apple here, but there's a lot of good apples, and there's a lot of good police officers that truly do mean the best for society. Yeah. When even even some of the guys we would label as, as bad apples or bad actors if they had the proper training and everything that goes with that, they would be less likely to be in these situations. Um, you know, so a, a lot of these police forces, especially these ones that aren't in big cities and, and stuff like that, they don't, they get, you know, their initial training and... And that's, that's it. it. They're thrown to the wolves. Yeah, and, and you know, so um, they, if, if, if I'm... I'm a high believer in the fact that we should teach all of our guys uh, some form of martial arts. You know, we should we should do more weapons training. We should do more situational training because situations what you find yourselves in daily, right? Yeah. And, and and it's when we don't know how to deal with those situations and those pressure spots that that's where the breakdowns happen. And if these guys had more training and and you know they didn't have the fear that they have at the back end because ultimately that's what, it, what, what a lot of this boils down to is, is they also fear for their lives. Yeah. You know, they may have a weapon and a badge, but if, if the person across from you doesn't respect your position and respect, and, and you've never dealt with this situation where somebody's coming at you and someone's doing something like this, now you're fearful as well. And when you don't know how to deal with that situation or you've never been shown how to deal that with that situation and you don't know what to do in that situation it's where you're going to make a mistake and you're going to have you know uh, some type of incident um so if we train them more if we we spend more money and put more money into these and and maybe have you know like all of them have to go through you know certain periodical evaluations and stuff and i know they're supposed to um but, you know, even even like psyche valves or something like that, that that say, hey, every, you know, year and a half you do this, you're cleared, you're good to go. Or, hey, maybe you should take five days off. Here you go. Five days off. to. Well, and as you're talking about this, I'm thinking how similar is how similar is that training and that situational awareness to what we found with military personnel yeah. over the years where. You know, you're you're in Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever it happens to be, and you're in you're there both in the military sense where you're guarding against evildoers, mm -hmm. but then you're also within their culture. You yeah. also have to you've got to on one hand be completely aware of your surroundings and watch out for that that next car bomber, that next suicide bomber, whatever it happens to be. But at the same time, be totally aware that those kids that are running towards you may be running towards you because they've never seen a soldier and they just want to meet you. Yeah. And it, that's the same situational awareness training that I think a lot of police could do well to have and understand and yeah be involved in. And, and that's that's one of the good things about the military is the training and, and we have joint training centers. Yeah. So, you know, typically before we go out to a combat situation, we go to one of these training centers 
and they have all the TTPs and, and, you know, all the after action reports and all of that stuff from the front. So, you know, they're like, hey, these are the TTPs that are going on currently right now in Afghanistan. This is what we're seeing. So, again, when you get into that situation, you know, hey, I was briefed on this. This could potentially happen. Yeah. Um, So you've you've actually had a chance to see it, probably deal with it in the capacity of training or have dealt with something very similar to it. Um, So, you know, you're you're it's it's not going to catch you as far off guard as it does. Somebody who's who's never even who's never been there, known it, known it. It's going to happen or, or seen it or anything like that. So, yeah, I mean, and, and that's what I say with the training is, is, you know, more frequent training for more of the officers. And, you know, we did stuff that – and, and it's hard to say, you know, what they should do or what they shouldn't do because, you know, we're not there. Um, and especially for a lot of these smaller forces. But, like, for us, you know, I, I always think back to in the military, every uh, – was Tuesday or Thursday was sergeant's time training where they would just say, hey, take your guys and go out and do – training and then you would do training you know whatever training you decided you would do that training for the day and and it's like these would be perfect situations to to allot them and i've I've heard a lot of other guys talk about you know ways to do who who may be more familiar with it be like hey you know during this month you have to do eight hours of training it's got to be documented however you do it but yet to to provide them more training and, and do the opposite of what people are saying don't you know, take funds away from them, provide them more funds for the training, for all of this stuff to become better equipped to handle these situations. And I'm not the person to say, hey, this is how the training should look. This is what it should be. This is what it should do. But, you know, that I'm you know one of those people who say that the trainings definitely need to be there to make them more proficient and be ready for these types of situations. Well, and if you're worried about the money and you're worried about, you know, that that's been the the – thing all year has been defund 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 if you're worried about the money put in place the safeguard so that the money is utilized in the correct way yeah don't take money away because really more training is needing needed provide oversight in the way the funds are utilized and i think that could be government wide yeah there should be i mean the government has full oversight in the way we spend every dime as a culture why are we not presented with oversight in what the government's spending? Right. Because that's where I see, I, I don't see a lot of oversight. I don't see a lot of people going, wait, 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 wait. They're starting to. I mean, yeah. we've seen the uprising this week with the uh, the relief s- bill, $600 yeah. relief bill. But I I think it's just a symptom of a much larger situation well and i i think a lot of that stems to and and getting getting widely uh off track but yeah we're we're flying down definitely (laughs) definitely good fun uh but you know one of the problems is is that this is not a political podcast yeah is is it is it you know uh, as a country we've we've kind of let that go forever yeah Um, you know because i mean you think back to the affordable care act they yeah. said, we'll read it after we sign it. And yeah. people were like, oh, yeah, okay, we're good with that. And it was like, you know, 5,000-something pages. And I'm like, nobody read through all 5,000 of those pages. You know, if, if they did, I'd be surprised, you know, as, as far as politicians go. Now, are there people out there who read through it and were like, 
this is a load of garbage and this is what we're you know yeah there are people who went through and said hey we all of this money has nothing to do with healthcare it's just you know yeah it's it's fat that that they're they're funding all of this other stuff and um you know we're not like you said i, I don't think it, they're being everybody's being held accountable enough for that and and saying hey you know put their feet to the fire to say if you're going to throw a bill that has a trillion dollars associated to i need a breakdown of everything in plain english of where that money's going and why and why does it all need to be under one bill right our entire constitution was developed in four pages it's a four-page document yeah why is this single stimulus bill 5600 pages yeah i i cannot comprehend and i've been trying to wrap my mind around that for for since it came out yeah as as to why we can't issue an, a stimulus without adding bloat right yet and, we can create a country in four printed pages yeah and and that's one of the big things i think is is getting a lot of people right now is because they're pushing a lot of this garbage through in the guise of relief. And then it's like, wait a minute, if all the relief you said only comes up to half the cost of this bill, where yeah. is the rest of the money going? And yeah. then, then they're starting to fumble around and be like, oh, well, it's going here. It's like, no, just tell us where it's going and what it's going into. And when they start to tell you what it's going into, people are like, eh, why is that in a stimulus bill? Yeah. And why not just cut the bill and say, here's the stimulus bill. And then here's the gender studies in Pakistan bill. Right. Here's the Smithsonian bill. I mean, there's no reason that they need to be unless they know that they won't get it approved and they're trying to shove it in, which it, yeah, which I, is a lot of the case. I mean, it, this is going down a totally different rabbit yeah, hole. But I, I think it's, it's it, a lot of it is bargaining chips. You know, yeah. we'll, we'll give you this if you give us that instead of saying, hey, this all should have been in the budget. Yeah. That we just passed. <laughs> But instead of putting it into budget because they knew people wouldn't do it, they're like, well, if you want this, we want this. And then they're putting it in these side bills. Bargain on something else. Yeah. Not on everybody's health. And Not on the American people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that and that's really what it comes down to for me is stop bargaining on the American people. Bargain on something else. The stimulus bill needs to be the stimulus bill. Clean cut. You know, and I think the American people I've I've heard from people that I would agree with politically and I would disagree with. And they're all saying the same thing. Oh, yeah. Why can't we just pass something? And, yeah. you know, and, and that's that's the same thing. I, I, I try to keep my circle very open as far as you know, diversity and, and people who think differently from me. And, and that's the one thing I see everybody agreeing on right now is like. It should just be a stimulus bill. If, if yeah. that's what we're going to call it, if, if we're going to say it's for this, let's make it just this. Let's be as transparent as possible and not try to put all this other stuff in it. And then we won't have to argue back and forth about how much should the American people be getting. They should be getting all of it. Yeah. Whatever is in the bill should 100% go to the American people. It's the American people's money. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, uh, yeah, we we could go down this rabbit hole I we've gone down it for a few minutes. Yeah, it is what it is. It's a complete fluster cock, but yes. you know. Um, but back to what we back to what we started the conversation on: <laughs> PTSD, depression, suicide rates, all of this stuff. I mean, suicide rates have skyrocketed this year 
within the military and outside, I've seen high school girls. Yeah. I mean, we're talking two, three hundred percent increase live production people, which is my world. It's skyrocketed. There's so many people. And yeah, there's a lot that ties into it. You've got people who've who've lost their entire way of lives. Um, you've got, again, yeah, people, yeah, we, we were talking about it, right? We live in, in kind of a utopian, uh, society as, as far as it goes. And yeah. you go from all of that to have, being surrounded by your friends and your family and having your job and having all of this and, and kind of being secure to all of it being gone and you're home alone. Yeah. And, you know, and you have to deal with yourself and, and not only that, but think, think if you're, if you're one of these kids, right? Yeah. And you have an argument online. You could lose all of your friends over one argument online, and now you have nobody. You have none of your friends. You're stuck at home. You know you can't go anywhere. You, your whole life just crashed down around you. Um, so it, again, it's 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 very rough in this situation and in, in the, the type of environment that uh, you know this this is caused for people to be able to cope with that. Well, and we've been dealing with that for years. Yeah. With the uh, keyboard warriors. Yep. You know, these, all of these people out there that bully online who, you know, darn good and well, if you met them in public and they had to face you face to face, they wouldn't say what they'll say online. Yeah. Because they think with online is anonymity, which there is. There's anonymity online. Yep. But it still affects the person you're talking to. Yeah. And, the and, person you're talking to doesn't look at it as, as anonymous. They look at it as a direct attack. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, uh, I'm a mess of saying up wildly, but it's uh, what do they say is, is tough times create tough men. Yeah. Tough men create good times. Good times create weak men. So it, it is what that boils down to, I, I think, is – the resiliency factor, right? When when you are dealt hard times and you have to go through situations, you have to learn how to fight through it and how to recover. Yeah. If you're never presented with those situations and then all of a sudden, like I said, your world around you collapses, it's very hard to deal with that, especially when, again, we're not a society who has these conversations and we don't talk to each other about it and we don't express our feelings. You know, we, we may say, Oh, I'm happy or I'm and, and we lie to people every day. Like when someone says, Hey man, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. Because yeah, would be like, Oh man, I had a shit day last night. You know, this happened, this happened because people are going to be like, Oh man, sorry. And just stop talking to you. You know? So, so we, we kind of placate and, and we build in these, these barriers. But when, when you're someone who goes through like, you know, World War Two, the Great Depression, and and things like this, and and you are forced to deal with these times as as a group, not as an individual, because you got to think back then, like half the men in the United States were at war, we're you at know? war, so everybody else here was dealing with it, not just the guys who were at war, yeah. So it it built tough people, and that's why they say greatest generation, because it didn't just build tough men coming back it built a tough generation of people here in the states and and they built a resiliency that they could deal with whatever came at them you know because they'd been through it 
as whereas you know we don't have to face that much adversity that often anymore so and 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 again i don't think we have a lot of resilience training you know and in one way we used to do that is through sports right yeah you you win you lose you you learn you you don't do that anymore you know you go to a sports game and everybody wins and they don't keep score and so, you know, some of those things that were built in to, to kind of teach us about resiliency and about bouncing back, even that's gone. So, you know, again, you're, you're, you're taking all of these people from all of these walks and, and you're thrusting them into these situations and then you're just expecting them to recover. And there's no means by which to recover or, you know, again, they may not even know there's something wrong. Well, and in the, in the Great Depression, you were talking about that time line they dealt with it together yeah i mean that's one of the major things that i'm hearing from you was about how they dealt with it together here we're all being thrust into a situation and then the government's saying don't be together yeah you need to stay apart you need to be fearful of your neighbor yeah and if your neighbor has somebody over they need to be fearful that you're going to call the cops on them for having people there yeah and, and so it's creating this fractured society where people can't have the discussions. They can't have the thoughts. They can't, can't have people around them to support them. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's one of the big things um, that I do as, as part of you know, the podcast and a part of um, the other side of, of, of what I do is my gym is uh, we build support groups. Yeah. And, you know, that that's one of the things that I found early that was helpful with not only like the mental health and in the daily stuff, but when I went through this massive weight loss and, and, you know, getting physically fit, it was the same way. And it was that if I had other people there who were helping me and, and not only being like, hey, you're, you're doing great, you're going to kill this, but they're actually ho- holding me accountable. Yeah. And, and then on the days that I suck, they tell me that I suck, you know, and, hey, and they let you suck and they let you, and then they tell you, Hey, this is what you could do to get better. Yeah. Roger that. Hey, I'm going to try that. Or they're going to be like, Hey, you know what? I went through this, this, I dealt with it. So maybe, you know, you could do it with it this way. And, and, you know, we talk to each other and, and we help each other out and it's one of those silly sayings, but you, know, you can't spell community without unity. So you have to be together. And you have to be able to to uh, deal with these things on a community level. Um, and there's a lot of good books out there. There's the tribe. There's different things to talk about this that, you know, as we become more fractured as a society and we move apart, it's it's harder and harder for us to deal with these things. But, you know, when we're together and a lot of the guys in the military feel this when you know, when when you're deployed you're together 24 seven. You're together. Like there are times you want the guy to be away from you, but at the same time you're, you're there, you know, everything about that person you were, you know, there, there's never a time you're apart. Well, when then you go home and yeah. everybody's got again, their own life and they go do their own thing. And, and here you are, you're alone, you know, and you may be with your family, but you're not with your community. You're, you're not with your tribe. You're with, you know, your wife and your kids, but the rest of your group is is off doing their own thing. So you're not a member of a tribe anymore. You're a member of your own little group. 
Well, and I mean, if you look back historically through the industrial revolution, the industrial time periods and that kind of stuff, um, cities grew up. Cities flourished because people were close. We didn't have cars. You know, the vast majority of people, even once cars became regular in society during the early 1900s, you still had to live close. You still had to be in community. Yeah. You had a community around you. You knew your butcher. You knew your baker. You knew everyone around you that created this organism, this society. Um, over time, that's gone away. Small business is not what it used to be. Now a small business is trying to pick up a little piece of sale here and there across a much larger display of people from yeah. a much larger geographic location. Yeah. And the way individuals work is you don't go to work with your neighbor at the factory. You work, you telework. I mean, you telework. Yeah. And so you could have... You could have coworkers that are in Oklahoma and California and Washington State that you work together on a daily basis, but you don't physically work together. You don't have to sit down and break bread. You don't have yeah. that community. So what you've done, I mean, that's been something interesting that we've talked about is the gym. Yeah. You know, you've you've got a home gym that has become kind of an epicenter of community of this microchasm of community with a lot of people that I know a few of them and I know how much it's helped them to deal with their circumstances. Um, one of them's a good friend of mine, good friend of yours, big Mike. Yeah. Um, I know I've known his journey for the last few years. He's, he's had some tough strokes. Yeah. Um, but I've seen, as he's gotten involved in the community, I've seen that shift, and I've seen him be more aware of himself. I've seen him become more loving to the people around him and be able to engage in people that normally he would not be able to engage with. Yeah, well, so so there's, there's a lot that, that I try to do with my program and the way we do things. So... Um, you know, I to to start the whole gym thing when yeah. Tell me uh, about your your time frame because you started losing weight. Yeah. you started powerlifting. Let Let's talk through that. A little so bit. I uh, found out that I had fractured my back. I had a uh, compression fracture of uh, my T eight. So um, they also found out that I had a. Uh, bilateral pars defect which is one of my lower vertebrae is fractured in two spots Ooh. i also have degenerative discs i have arthritis in both my knees um have to get cortisone shots in my feet you know it, it was like everything was basically falling apart yeah um and at the same time we were pregnant with uh at the time my fourth child now we have a fifth uh that came after that but with, with my fourth child and it was a daughter and uh two weeks before she was born uh i was getting back surgery 
Oh my lord. You know, so all I could think was is if if I keep living the life that I'm living and stay on the path that I'm on, I'm not gonna get to walk my daughter down the aisle. I'm yeah. gonna be dead. Yeah. She's not gonna have a father. She's you know, so <clears throat> I said, you know, I, I'd actually had a buddy who had had started reaching out to me, a uh, good friend of mine, Tim Mullins. And he's like, hey, man, he's like, you know, been following you on social media. He's like, just a little worried. He's like, I saw you got, you know, you, you're going to get back surgery. He's like, you look pretty big. You know, I was like, yeah, I'm almost 400 pounds. You know, I, I used to be in the military. Yeah. You know, I, I used to be, you know, a hell of an athlete. I bench pressed 460 pounds and I could run two miles in 13 minutes. You know, I was, yeah. you know, so, um, to, to be in this situation and, and to where, you know, literally my body was falling apart. I was like, something's got to change. So, uh, I started going down this journey and this is where I started to say, okay, I've done this before, right? I've, I've, I've lost weight. I've gained weight back. How do I make this a lifestyle change to where I'm actually going to change? Yeah. So I started doing the things. I started building the support group. I started, instead of doing a diet, trying to find a eating system that was sustainable. Because there are thousands of ways out there. Oh, yeah. You know, and, there, and there's the quick fad diets um, that, that – you know, make it easy and you lose weight real fast, but then you don't stick to them and you gain weight back. And, and, and it's like, I don't, I don't want to do something like that. So, you know, tried to go out and find what worked for me. And then I built my accountability group, a group of people who were going to be around me and, and do those things. I said that, you know, Hey, you're, you're messing up or, or, you know, maybe try this, do that. Um, and then on top of that, I said, okay, this is all good, but now I've got to find the reason why I got here. It didn't just happen. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I know over the years you gain some weight, you do this, but when you get to that situation and, and you're that big and your body starts to fall apart, there was a break somewhere. Yeah. Something happened and, and, and it just cascaded. So, you know, it, part of what I did was I said to myself, I've got to find where I broke. Yeah. And I've got to fix that. If I don't fix that, I'm never going to fix this whole whole health thing. So it's kind of where we built the principle um, for what we talk about in the podcast and what we talk about in the gym is basically – you know, it, same same as always. Your health has has three legs, basically a pyramid, right? You have your physical health, your mental health, and your spirituality. And spirituality doesn't have to be God; it has to be whatever you fill that third leg with, whether it's family, whether it's yeah, you know, football, community, balance, whatever. Some yeah, sort. something to ground you, something to ground you, something that's that's um that you love, yeah. basically. So, um. Going down the path to that, you know, is is where I started going to the doctor and, and started talking about some of um, my issues. And, and pretty much my, my biggest issue ultimately is survivor's guilt, you know, um, is am I doing enough on a daily basis to, you know, I had a lot of guys die. Am I doing enough 
to make it worth their sacrifice is is ultimately what was getting me you know um to where I was so it was it was working on that feeling and, and working on those emotions and and working on getting that right to also getting the physical health right and then finding something to balance me out um that that ultimately got me where I was and this is what I started building my programs around <clears throat> is that I'm not just going to try to help guys get physically fit because guys can do that. that that's easy. You can go online. You can find somewhere to get physically yeah. fit. Um, but, yeah, you can buy an app on your phone. Yeah, and- yeah. But now again, some of the folks I'm working with are are you know they have injuries or you know they're they're not your typical guys. So we do work with that too within the gym is I work with them on their specific limitations and and guide their workouts to where everybody can still work out together. We're still doing the same type of workout, but they may be using bands or they may be doing a different exercise while everyone else is doing yeah. you know, one. So, so again, it's still, we're all together. We're all still doing it, but they're just doing it slightly differently. Um, but yeah, a big part of when I started my gym, so it all started again, did all that, lost about 100 pounds, 115 pounds, I think, uh, ultimately. Uh, mostly, Damn. yeah, riding my bike, um, eating better. Again, fixing the, the mental part of what was wrong with me and, and feeling more comfortable with myself. So got all that in line, lost about 115 pounds. And thus far, I've, I've been able to keep it off. Um Yo, other than here, here and there, you know, you gain ten pounds, you lose ten pounds, but for the most part, I've have kept the hundred and fifteen off. Um, well, and then this past year, uh, after you know the, the this whole ordeal started, we started having to work out at home, and you know we weren't allowed to go to the gyms. Yeah, I was fortunate enough; I had just bought a weight rack and had some weights at the house. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to start working out here. And uh, I hadn't really power lifted ever. You know, it was, <laughs> I, I lifted weights here and there, but it was something I was interested in. Yeah. Um, so I decided I was going to start just working toward it. Um, I was fortunate enough to find a doctor who, again, with my back issues, um, I, I wasn't taking medicine, didn't want to take medicine. So I got the surgery. And then I started getting radio frequency ablations. Okay. Um, they go in and they send your nerves. Yeah. Um, so basically the problems are still there. I just can't feel them. <laughs> so I've got a buddy uh, that just went through that. So. Yeah. And, and, and again, that's, that's part of, you know, what we talk about on the podcast too is, is we actually had a doctor on who were, was talking about alternate methods of healing and talking to your doctors and finding these solutions because I, I didn't know about radio frequency ablation and I thought you had to take medicine, you had to do physical therapy and you had to do all this stuff. And ultimately it would take you years and years of recovery before you could do anything like yeah. this. No, I, I got my, you know, RFA done and three days later I'm in the gym. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like that. And then two weeks later the pain's pretty much gone. Um, so I started doing the power lifting. And started being fairly successful at it. 
uh, as as far as you know, home gyms go and, and going to the gym, I haven't done a competition, so I'll throw that out there because I know a lot <laughs> of people bring that up. But I just started doing it at home, and then uh, you know, started gaining some traction again with the podcast, with Instagram and social media, to where guys around me were like, "Hey, it'd yeah. be great if you could help us out," and it just so happened to line up with when I was moving. We found a house that had an extra garage. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do with this? I'm going to make a gym. Yep. I'm going to make a place where all of these guys who who say they want help, they're going to be able to come and get help. I'm not just going to give them a program. I'm not just going to give them a diet. We are going to come here, and we're going to pour buckets of sweat out together as a community. And and we're going to build a a an ecosystem of, yeah. uh, and, a, and a tribe again of guys who have each other's back who are here to help each other out when i'm not here they can reach out to each other because now they trust each other and they're going to be the support group for each other and so we started putting pieces together started having people come over and then you know as we have people come over they're like hey my brother's got you know, a Smith machine we can yeah. have, or I've got a, a stair stepper and now the gym is a, it's a full, a full on gym, gym. Um, you know, we've got basically everything, cardio equipment, weight equipment. And then we also decided, um, because we wanted to be a community area, we put a bar in. Yeah. So other nice part about it, after we get done working out, we usually have a cocktail and a cigar. You know, and it's not just about the workout. It's about that other part, right? Finding that balance. So we sit down, we have a cigar, we have a conversation, we have a drink, and, you know, we bond. And we build the community. And and the thing about this was, again, it, it stems from someone reached out to me and they said, hey, I think you need help. And he guided me and he did it all for free. Yep. So that was my goal was to be able to set up this system and this gym and get all of this stuff and get all these people together and help everybody with no cost. Yeah. So we do all of it. Everything is, you know, we do right now, we do Tuesdays and Thursdays are open gym. Anybody can come, um, you know, from the community, they come in, we do the workout, we have the cigar drinks. And then if anybody needs to on another night, they say, Hey, you know, I'm available Wednesday, Saturday. They just set up an appointment with me, and and, and we set up the appointment and do it that way. Um, but I want to make it available to as many people as, as possible, you know, as far as it goes um, within our community who who say, "Hey, I want help. I need help. I don't have anywhere to turn." Yeah. Then I can help them, and and hopefully, you know, especially if they've been down the road or or you know they're they're suffering. Um, in some way where they, they can't go to a traditional coach or a traditional trainer because they've got, you know, a bum elbow or, or something. There's some something I can help extra with. Um, but that's the goal is, is to get it together, to have a community and to make them all want to do it. And not only to get them in physical health, but help repair those other parts of their lives. Yeah. You know, like you said, that, that have been lacking and that, that, you know, maybe they needed help in and didn't know they needed help in. Um, so that's what it is, is, is being a community, talking to each other, normalizing the conversation, and then 
you know, helping each other out, having each other's backs. We need that. We need that as a society. Um, everybody Absolutely. needs a group of people like that who are willing to go to bat for them and willing to have their back. And, you know, uh, like you said, we don't live in communities like that anymore. So we have to build those. Exactly. And, and that's my goal is, is through this is to build a community of people who are going to be there for each other and who are going to continually help each other and hopefully spread that out yeah. to their own communities and make their own groups and continue to do that. Build it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's what I've, what we've done with the, you know, some of the guys I have these accountability groups with, um, online, they've started their own accountability groups and doing the same thing. If, if, I've helped them lose weight, get back on track. They've started it with their friends. So now, you know, it's spreading through that. Um, and ultimately, that's the goal is is that people start seeing, hey, we need to be together. We don't need to be apart. You know, I, I look at it similar to, um, I mean, to list a few healthy churches, AA, Grief mm-hmm. Share, these different organizations that their sole purpose is – one form of support or another for individuals, for a set group of individuals. Yeah. And AA is a great example because it's a format. It's not a group. Right. You can go to AA anywhere. You can look up a meeting. You can find a meeting wherever you need to be. And over time, I, I hope I get to experience seeing this with you where as people start to find their support within that they can then take that support and transfer it to other people yeah and grow out because i mean you live out towards uh king george yeah there's a lot of people that can't drive to king george yeah it's a if if you're in (laughs) well if you're even in fredericksburg but if you're in tulsa oklahoma correct you're not going to drive to King George on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Right. But by building that community, that's not to say that it can't reach out there. Right. And someone grabs hold of that vision and goes, you know what? This is the way to affect change in my community. Yeah. And this is the way to create that, that healthy community, that healthy um, conversation specifically beginning with but not limited to the PTSD, the trauma, the yeah. suicide, the the mental stability really of culture as a whole. Yeah. And and help spread that further and faster. Yeah, and and that's you know ultimately the goal is is you know we want people to be happy in all levels of their life. And, and like I said, there's, there's three areas you need to focus on. And, and yeah. we've, we've worked toward that. And that's, that's the ultimate goal is, yeah, if we could find places and people who want to say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm missing something in my life too, where I was and, and this helped me. And, and those are the people, you know, it, it, again is it. And that's, what's so great about things like this, like a, like those other things is, is, you don't need a degree. You don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be any of those things. I mean, those things will help ultimately, but you just have to be a good person who wants to help people out. Exactly. And and have the fortitude to do it. Yeah. And that's it. And so, you know, I, I think and I hope 
that people will start doing this more and more as, you know, again, we see more fractures in mainstream society and, and all of this stuff is is that we need to reach out to those around us. We need to, to bring communities back to being communities. Um, we need to know our neighbors, and this is a great way for us to do it. And we need to ask our neighbors if they're okay. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, that's, that's the takeaway for me is ask. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So if someone's here in Fredericksburg and they want to get a hold of you, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, what's the best way to get a hold of people? I'm, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Um, both excellent ways to get a hold of me. Uh, Facebook uh, Messenger is is really good because I travel. Okay. So, you know, if if I'm out traveling, um, I'll still get those messages. Usually, even if I'm in a hotel, uh, stuff like that. What I'll do is on this podcast on the notes for this one, I'll go ahead and put your contact info if that's all right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I hope not only that people come to you that need help, but I hope people listen to this and they're able to help you. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I want to do whatever we can do for my end to help promote this. And, I mean, does the gym have a name? Uh, we, we call the gym The Forge. So this is all part of the, the kind of the podcast uh, aspect of me and the guy who, who started that, the Ironworks, yeah. is kind of where we went. And the forge is where steel goes to get hardened and made into a weapon, right? So for us, the forge is somewhere where we bring people in to get shaped into the better, best person they can be to beat them repeatedly yeah yeah pretty much <laughs> uh so so to to strengthen them and, and to make them the best they can be and the great thing about it is 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 ultimately what we say you know at the end of every podcast is the forge is wherever you are yeah you don't have to be in any particular place you can set it up anywhere you are and and and, and go about it so um, that that's kind of why we went with the forge is that um, you know we're we're basically everything's forged in sweat in my gym, uh, not not in uh, the fire. But uh, so that that's kind of why we went with the forge is that we want people to understand that that it's it's about you know ultimately hardening yourself and becoming a better person, um, not just strength and in training and conditioning, but you know, that whole part of being a an ultimate end piece. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I there's, love it. there's a lot more into it. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm going to put your contact info in, and we will definitely have you on the podcast again. I mean, this has been fantastic. Yeah, it's been a great time. I know we'll run into each other here soon. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> how could we not? Yeah. But um, I want to thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed the uh, newly renovated studio. We're getting there. Yeah, the studio is, is great. I'm very comfortable. Couldn't ask for a better place to do a podcast. Nice. Well, on that, I'm going to say thank you again, and I'll see you on the next one. Sounds great. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Hey guys, if you enjoyed the podcast today, don't forget to go online, think about supporting us, as well as reach out 
and connect with Josh. All of his information is in the information of this podcast. Make sure if you want to try some awesome coffee, you go online to vcr.coffee. And as always, tell your friends about us. We appreciate you, and we'll see you on the next one. Have a great day.